0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night edition of the Curtain Call. I'm your guest host, filling in for Jeffrey Benedict, Kevin Tate. And we got the usual OG for the curtain call, the big homie Shannon White. What's up, Shannon? Uh, how you doing this evening,
1: brother Kevin? I tell you, it's uh it's not a lot happening at uh many camp as far as breaking news. So we've had to do a deep dive
0: to to find out some of the The happenings that's been going on, yeah, yeah, man. And and it'll only get worse after tomorrow. Yep, (laughs) it'll only get worse after tomorrow. We're gonna be making up podcast things to talk about. You guys be making up articles and everything, man. But you know, it's that time of year, it's like it's like a kid at Christmas, man. We only got one more month before everything gets officially rolling, right? Sometime in July. Towards the end, maybe about five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, tonight we're just going to talk about whatever we can talk about, man. The first thing I got, Shannon, man, that we're going to talk about is first let me play this clip from from this morning's uh, Let's Ride, Jeff Hartman. Mm-hmm. And then we want, we want to talk about why why do we think, why do you think, and I'll tell you why I think, the Steelers are so successful with OTA and minicamp participation. Here's what, here, here's what Jeff had to say this morning.
2: It, the, here's the thing. The Steelers have had fantastic attendance. I wrote this uh, article for the website on Tuesday. And I said, man, the term mandatory minicamp, it just doesn't even seem to fit. They've had great attendance this entire OTA phase three. Yes, T.J. Watt missed the first day of phase three. He showed up every day after that, hasn't missed one since. Larry Ogunjobi missed the first two days. You had spot misses by someone like Cam Hayward. They have been there. They have been consistent. Brandon Fijoko, or Braden Fijoko, I'm sorry, he said to Steelers.com, when you see T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward out there going 100% in these, man, not mandatory, voluntary workouts, what makes you raise your game? And so that's why I was like, mandatory mini camp it just seems like it's another practice doesn't it it just seems like nothing changes that's fantastic news on the day that you hear that Stefan Diggs and what's going on up in Buffalo I don't know you've got a whole lot of other players around the league Saquon Barkley's not going to mandatory mini camp they now Hunter up in Minnesota's not going to mandatory minicamp. thank the lord that the Steelers don't have that type of distraction they don't not at all you know you don't have Alex Highsmith saying I want a new deal I'm not, I'm not showing up no he's there he's working you know, you don't have the the Deontay Johnson situation from two years ago, or I think it might have been last year, where he was contemplating, you know, a hold in where he showed up to training camp. He just didn't practice. Uh, T.J. Watt did the same thing two years ago. It's one of those situations where, thankfully, the Steelers don't have those headaches this year, at least not yet. I-
0: okay, Shannon, so Jeff had a lot to say right there in a real little bit of time, man. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you think the reason is the Steelers have such a high participation rate in the – OTAs, and minicamp?
1: Well, they really, one of the things that really helps is there's nobody really in a contract situation. Uh, in the past, they've had Le'Veon Bell, you know, who, who didn't show up. They had Antonio Brown that would cause some ripples. And uh, even TJ, as Jeff mentioned, and uh, Deontay last year, you know, they was they would show up, but it was, like I said, a hold-in. They wouldn't really participate in everything. This year, you just got Alex Highsmith, and Alex is the kind of guy that he's going to be out there regardless. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I think he's uh, the perfect Stiller, and the Stillers have so much admiration and respect for him, not just as a player, but as a person. And I think that they know that they pretty much got this deal worked out, but they're just fine-tuning it and and coming to an agreement, hopefully, before training camp. So uh, you have a team that hasn't won a playoff game uh, in quite a few seasons, and they're hungry. Uh, they're a proud franchise that have not played up to their own expectations for the last six years, let's say. So I think they're uh, hungry and ready to get out there and compete, and – as Jeff mentioned and one of the players mentioned when you see TJ and Cam Hayward and these guys going full blast uh or you know giving a, a, a complete effort even in OTAs and minicamp, camp that sets the standards for the rest of your team
0: yeah i don't I, I don't i don't disagree i agree with you 100% i do think even the fact when Deontay – uh TJ, when when the, when those when those guys are holding in, that's different than what happens with other players. I mean, we got yeah. Stephon Diggs holding out, Saquon Barkley holding out, mm-hmm. uh, the guy the lineman up in Minnesota is holding out. So players hold out, but I think with Steeler players, I think it's 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 more a cultural thing, the Steeler culture. I think they want to be there because it's like a brotherhood, going to be there for their brothers. They want to be there for the organization for Mr. Rooney and and, and, and management. Mm-hmm. They want to be there for Coach Tomlin. You know, so I think they try and find a way to still show up. If they have if they don't have something really urgent going on
2: mm-hmm.
0: during during the time of OTA, OTAs, well, mini camps are pretty mandatory, but even OTAs, everybody doesn't show up to mini camp, like we just said. So when, when they show up, I think it's because it's it's bigger than just whatever the one person's issue is. Yep. You know, like I said, it's a brotherhood. It's a, it's about the organization. It's about Coach Tomlin. It's about all those different facets that make those guys show up. And I love it, man. A, yep. it, it, it only in the long run is going to make you a better team. Well, I think they also realize that, you know, it all comes
1: down to Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett's the real deal, if you look how the Steelers are constructed right now, their salary cap situation, dead money coming off the books after the end of this year, they are really set up to make some noise in a very tough AFC. And guys, again, I think a lot of it is is as you said, the culture and a lot of it's pride. They have not been successful, like what the Steelers call success, for quite a few seasons now. And I think that they're they realize then they're fully committed to getting back there.
0: I mean, just wanted to talk about that since we're talking about minicamp, we want to just address the the great participation rate that the Steelers have, so that's that's, that's a good thing yep. um so shannon we're we're, we're, we're two days in the mini camp what are we hearing what are we thinking? One of the things that I've noticed and I started
1: noticing it during the towards the end of OTAs that Pat Fairmuth was not as actively participating and a lot of days he wouldn't didn't have his helmet on. And he would just go through some drills maybe where he didn't need to have the helmet, but it, they come out just a few hours ago that he admitted that he is dealing with some kind of injury. Now he did not disclose what kind of injury, but that he said he should be fine by training camp. And he wanted to be at uh mini camp, but he, you know, he wanted to get the work in and the camaraderie and, uh, and know what he needs to work on away you know, during the the time between mini camp and training camp, but he's not being able to participate fully. So that's the one thing you want. You don't want to have during OTAs or mini camp is any kind of injury. And we know that um, Miller has been wide receiver uh, has been dealing with a hamstring injury through OTAs and a couple other nagging injuries. So, uh, that was the only one I was really familiar with, so finding out about Muth has been a little bit concerning. Um, but it sounds like he'll be fine for training camp, and that's the main thing. Um, you know, we're hearing some good things coming out. Uh, we talked about it on Monday, and now we're hearing that Akeem Butler's made some plays. He's flashed, and and he really should. I mean, with his size, speed, and catch radius during OTAs, he should really be able to make some plays. And he even said it himself. He said, it doesn't matter until I do it at training camp, you know, until he does right. it when there is contact. So, uh, but I like his attitude that he's not, you know, making it more than it actually is, but you know, his teammates and coaches are talking about it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a positive first impression with the team. So that's really good. Um, We're hearing some really good things about Mark Robertson. So people come out and said, Oh, that because Terrell Austin said that they could see Mark Robertson competing for a starting position next year. And everybody's like, oh, man, he must not be living up to expectations. That's not it. The Steelers knew he was a long shot to make the team as the seventh rounder. He was a project converting from running back. Well, he exceeded expectations. Well, he's already ahead of expectations this year is that he's viewed he's going to be a regular contributor and part of the rotation. So he's ahead of the game. He might not be ready to start, but he will be playing meaningful, meaningful minutes. So all Trey Austin was saying is that if he keeps progressing as he is now, he could be in line to be a starter next year. So right. those are a couple of stories that's come out so far that I've felt very
0: intriguing. People people forget Mark Robinson up until three years ago was playing running back. Mm hmm. So, you know, it, right. it, only, stand, it only stands the reason that there's a learning curve. He has the athleticism, the ability, and obviously the Steelers see something. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick in 2022, and they kept him, and he's, he played meaningful minutes at the end of the season. He's, he's, he's going to be a part of the special team. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's right on track to where he's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, speaking of running backs, one thing I heard is that Jalen Warren looks really nice. Oh yeah, I've heard. I heard the same thing. He
1: he's even more jacked up. Last year, Uh, we somebody gave him the nickname Muscle Hamster, <laughs> which was a, a a Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back back in the day. I can't Doug remember his Martin, name, but Doug Martin. Oh yes, and yeah, you know, Warren does look like a muscled up hamster. He really does, but he's even more jacked up this year, and he seems like he's he's even quicker. Maybe it's just he's more confident and. He's hitting these drills even faster, but I mean, he put on some, some size, but he looks just as quick, if not quicker. So yeah, I'm
0: really, really excited about that. What do you see the, uh, what do you see the the workload split being between he and Najee? I've said it for a long time. I'd like to see a 60, 40, 60, 40, just because Najee got
1: so abused that first year. Right. And, and you know, we know the shelf life of running backs and the Steelers are just now putting the offensive line in front of these guys. And I think if you could get a split, that's about what the the Cowboys did with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard last year. And it really helped both players. And I would love to see the Steelers shoot for somewhere in that range, because even if they're talking about using them both on the field at the same time,
0: I'd like to see that.
1: Yeah. And, so uh hey, get your weapons out
0: there, whatever you gotta do. Right. No, I really like to see that. Okay, so moving along, real quick. So I'm gonna ask you a quick question. You're, you're 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 Omar Khan, right? Uh-huh. We're about to finish mini camp going into training camp. You got one move you're gonna make. Okay? Uh-huh. You can make this with either or. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, it's actually going to depend on, you know, what's it going to cost? Uh, Simmons is more of a coverage linebacker. He's very talented, but Simmons, it, it really wasn't that great in coverage for Arizona. And Arizona yeah. is not a good defense. Uh, they haven't been for a couple of years. So, It's hard to judge his numbers just based on that. But he has the athleticism to be a good coverage linebacker. And then we talked about Chase Young, uh, which is a a top three talent when healthy, something the Steelers are not going to get an opportunity to select a guy like that. So, again, it's going to depend on cost. Um, I think that Tomlin, I believe Jeff's story that his source about the Steelers being interested in Young. Mm -hmm. And if Young's value is down enough to where they can make a reasonable offer and a deal to get him, uh, I would prefer Chase Young. Because, again, I think his long-term future is going to be a defensive end. And I I see Cam Hayward getting older, and I would like to see a generational talent replace him.
0: Yeah, I I probably agree with you. I think if we're looking for – for for only the uh, the recency bias, the the urgency of right now, uh-huh. you probably would go Simmons. You I mean, uh-huh. know, we kind of we kind of can use a coverage linebacker, but if we go and thinking past twenty twenty three and beyond, yeah, I got to go with Chase Young, man. Yeah, especially if you, if you can if you can get him for forty cents on the dollar. Oh yeah, you know, somebody saying a third round pick might get it done.
1: Um I, I mean you'd have to consider it.
0: <laughs> you'd have to consider yeah. it. You definitely have to consider it. But I, yeah, I think I think we concur. We agree on that one because I would certainly be with the Chase Young side. And I like Isaiah Simmons. Loved Isaiah Simmons kind of Clemson. Yeah. I mean, I I think they came out the same draft. I mean, Chase Young was two, should have been one while Kyler Murray was a quarterback. Now the Cardinals, the Cardinals are I don't know that they could be regretting that. I mean, so they got rid of Josh Rosen to pick Kyler Murray. Now there's issues with Kyler Murray. So Chase Young was a number two pick, was the defensive rookie of the year, has seven and a half sacks. You know, and 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 in injuries, injury slows players down. We saw it happen to Devin Bush. I yeah. mean, so I, I fully think Chase Young, and he's only twenty four years old. He'll be twenty four years low old all season. I think he turned 24 in March. So it'll be 25 next year.
1: And we can't not pretend that Washington isn't a dysfunctional franchise. I mean, there's a lot of guys that go in there and they're just like, I don't want to play here. I don't want to be here. I want to go somewhere else. So if you're trying to come back from an ACL injury, you know, who's to say you ain't like, well, I'm not coming back till I'm a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, that that might have been a part of the reason why he hasn't been
0: productive on the field the last couple of seasons. Right. No. I, yeah. I completely agree with you again. Um. So yeah. If if Omar could get that move done, I'd love it. So moving on real quick, man. We're gonna like what's what we can't even talk about. What are they saying about Kenny? Kenny Pickett, KPA. You guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, so I'm gonna play a few clips from the week of what. What players and coaches have been saying about Kenny? Then on the other side, we'll we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. This is this is Allen Robinson guessing on, on on the Rich Eisen show. Mm-hmm.
3: The number one thing that sticks out to me, you know, aside from his talent, is you know he's a leader. You know, and when I say a leader, you know, he's the guy who has a great command. You know, and seeing the command that he has of a team as a second year player, man, it's 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 pretty remarkable. You know, you don't see too many guys be able to kind of take the bull by the horns how he's able to do that you know and just kind of get the command of everybody you know that's meeting wise that's pre-practice post practice getting throws in after you know it typically takes a little bit longer for guys to kind of you know go through that maturation process and learn to take what they need and learn how to you know get some of the extra reps and steal some reps here or there you know but he's already on top of that man he's been on top of that since since day one that i got here and it's fun he's more comfortable kenny kenny's a lot more
0: comfortable um, he's a quick learner too. He has a lot, um, you know. He, him, him being vocal, him understanding uh, coverages, him, him being more in, in a comfortable place. Um, I think that's what's going to separate him a lot. Um, you know, him I,
3: still learning and stuff like that. But you know, Kenny, when he comes out here, you know, you see that he has con- he he wants to have control. He wants to he wants to win. He's very competitive. You know, he wants that, and you want that in a quarterback. when you see that. Um, So, I think that's some things that I see that's different for him from last year. It's not like he's, you know, kind of just looked like a rookie. He's looked like a vet now.
2: Thank
1: you. He's had a good spring. Obviously, every day is up and down, and, you know, we play quarterback, and then, you know, Coach Salmon says it the best, right? It's football like, not football. So, I think he's improving. He's seeing things, playing fast, getting some timing with the guys. You know, it's that you need to do as you become the starter which what last you know, year he was learning and we had obviously different situations so I think Kenny's had a very good spring and excited about where he is how this much more is he in, ready to take on from last year as a rookie well, I think Kenny's Kenny's extremely intelligent I and mean, I think it's a lot of that sink always falls to, you know, to the quarterback. Right, that's the easy way to look. And he was a rookie, and there's some things there. But they, how much more is the all offense ready to take on?
0: Like we, again, I mentioned, we're, we're better up front, we're more experienced up front. You know, two years ago we started, you know, a bunch of rookies. So, you know, football. Like, what are you looking to see, Kenny Pickett,
3: in this scenario? All the things that come with being him, um, and and we really don't have enough time in this setting to to adequately describe it. Uh, just know that he's working daily. He's diligent in terms of his approach. Uh, I like where he is.
0: Okay, Shannon. So that's a compilation of what what players and coaches have been saying this week about Kenny. So what do we think about Kenny going to the 2023 season? Well, I think we've been hearing the same
1: these same phrases about leadership and control and maturity, all these things we've been talking about since the end of the season, all through the off season with him and uh, Mitch, getting the guys together down in Florida and going, doing, putting in work. And uh, you've got a, a guy who's competing competed with you to be the starter last year. And now is, is signed on to stay long-term, even though he knows that, you know, you look like the future franchise quarterback, He has that kind of respect and and a special connection with Kenny and said that he wants to help him any way he can. When your backup quarterback uh, says that, that says a lot about your preparation, the respect he's earned from his teammates. They see, you talked about Murray, uh, Kyler Murray earlier with the Cardinals. When you see Kenny Pickett, the difference is Kenny Pickett is football focused. His world revolves around football. And now we know that he's getting married in, I think, a couple of weeks. And uh, so, you know, he'll be doing that during the dead period there between mini camp and training camp. And, um, but up to this point, I guarantee you, he's just focusing on football. That again, that's who he is. He's not playing video games and they don't have to put it in his contract. Well, you, you know, you don't need to play so many hours of video games. You need to be, you know, learning your playbook. Uh, With Kenny, you don't have to worry about that. So I think Kenny's ahead of schedule. One of the things about him being a little bit older as a second year quarterback is that he is more mature. He realizes that his, everything's been accelerated. A lot of quarterbacks are in year four at his age and he's going into year two. So he, he's wanting, he's committed to taking control of this position He's committed to being, uh, building a winner now. And when you see that out of a young man, uh, it just earns respect. You can't make anybody respect you. He earns respect from all his teammates and they're all saying the same thing. And a lot of these guys have played with multiple quarterbacks like Alan Robertson. So when Alan Robertson comes out and says, you know, this guy has real leadership ability. And he throws a good ball. And he's accurate. Uh all these things that we're hearing this week, we've been hearing all offseason. So that that really is exciting in the fact that he isn't just showing up and having a really good OTA session and now mini camp. This is who he is. We seen some of this last year. I thought he was the best quarterback in camp last year, but he they never give him a chance. He was working with the number threes. Well, this year he's getting to work with
0: the number ones. He's the starter, and we're seeing what he can do. Okay, yeah, no, you said it all. I really don't have a, a take on that much that I can add much more than what you said. I do have a couple comments in the live chat. Uh, West West talking: If Chase Young comes here, he's not getting paid seventeen in a year, and he isn't better than Alex Highsmith. I think that's up for debate. I mean, Shannon and I said on the Hangover the, on the Hangover the other day on Monday, Alex Highsmith plays his best when TJ White is on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both guys came out in the same draft. Highsmith was a third round pick. Chase Young was first second overall. So I, I won't say that Highsmith is better than Chase Young. Highsmith because of because of. uh Avoiding injuries in his first three years has definitely had better production. So I will agree agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that
1: you know we something we're not really talking about, but I'd like to see what Chase Young could do playing with T.J. Watt, I mean, yeah, yeah, and yeah, playing yeah, with yeah. Alex Highsmith. I mean, because T.J. Watt elevates the play around him. Uh we know this. And I, I think that a guy like Chase Young, they had a really good defensive line in Washington.
0: Yeah. Uh, so be- Young
1: Young had some really good teammates around him on the defensive line. But none of them compared to what he would have. Yeah, in he,
0: had, he, had, he had Montez Sweat opposite him. Yeah. As a as as a rusher. And he'd have Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, uh
1: Megan Fitzpatrick. I mean the 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 stores defense is really loaded. Uh, Patrick Peterson. I mean, and they got all this young talent. So, uh, Chase Young could really take a big step forward. Cause TJ Watt has the
0: tendency to do that. No, I agree. I mean, we just got done watching the NBA finals, the NBA championship. TJ Watt is to the Steelers. What Joker is to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, Again, West Kyler Murray is a terrible passer. I don't think Kyler Murray's a terrible passer. I think he has one of the prettiest balls in the league. He's he 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 has a terrible work ethic. Yes. You know, that like like Shannon said, that's definitely where Kenny, you know, trumps him, supersedes him. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, he throws a pretty ball. Um, okay, so we said what we had to say about Kenny. I'm thinking Shannon right now is a good is a good breaking point real quick mm-hmm. so if you're watching on YouTube stay with us we're not going anywhere we're just going to take a pause to pay some bills you listen to audio let's listen to these couple ads and we'll be right back and we're back on the Wednesday night curtain call I'm your guest host Kevin Tate sitting here for Jeffrey Benedict with the OG homie Shannon White, the the regular here. So you know we've been talking about mini camp. We've been talking about what everybody's saying about Kenny Pickett. We talked a little bit a little bit about why the Steelers training camp and mini camp a mini camp and and OTA OTA participation is so high. Now we're going to uh, get into a couple different things. Got a couple more clips of what. What Najee, just short clips, what Najee had to say about the offense and what Kenny Pickett had to say yesterday and today. Let's check it out real quick, and Shannon and I will come out and talk about it on the other side. Have you seen much changes within this offense from last year to this year and what they're asking you guys to do? Um, I don't want to go into details,
3: but yeah.
1: I just feel like it's kind of like a natural transition. I don't try to force anything. I just want to step up when I feel like I need to step up. And uh, we have a lot of great veteran guys in the O-line and uh, young guys in the offense that are that are all pushing in the same direction. So I think it's, a, it's
0: definitely a group effort, but I'll step up wherever I feel it needs to So, Shannon, those were two short clips. Najee said he's noticed some changes. Mm-hmm. So if you were if we were just speculating from what we've heard coming out of camp from – from some of the interviews we've seen, if we're just putting putting together a big puzzle about the Steelers' offense, what are we thinking some of those differences will be this year? Well, it's funny. They were
1: talking to – they was interviewing Matt Canada, and he said, well, it's not like I'm out here really, you know, putting together the offense. <laughs> and, uh, well, and that kind of is confusing because he's the offensive coordinator. Right. So if anybody's designing the offense, it's him. I think what he meant, he says that he don't think there'll be a lot of changes this year, but all the players are saying that there is, that it looks different. And I think what he's saying is it's still his playbook, but now he has more talent, more uh, weapons that he can use to create mismatches. And that it's still going to be the offense that he's wanted to run, but now he'll just have the horses to do it. So, I think we're going to see a more variety of the personnel. I think we can see three tight ends on the field at the same time, along with Cam Hayward. I mean, uh, Connor Hayward. So you could have basically uh, three tight ends and an H-back on the field with only one uh, wide receiver. You could have uh, Harrison Warren on the field at the same time. You know, you could put, uh, as we talked before, Darnell Washington, on the field with Calvin Austin the third and put and then move them around pre-snap if that defense isn't prepared for Washington's massive size and mobility or Calvin Austin's speed and elusiveness, if you get the wrong defender on the wrong guy it's they're toast so there is a lot this year that they can do uh not even taking into the wide receivers into account and Besides, you know, I'm talking about Calvin Austin III, but we know that Allen Robertson, what he can bring, uh, what if Akeem Butler, if he makes the team with that catch radius and size and speed. So I think we're going to see a lot. Some guys get fewer stamps. A guy like Deontay Johnson get a lot fewer targets, but have a more versified, creative, offense and out one thing's for sure. They got to score more points. So I think that's the whole plan is to not only move the ball effectively like they did at the second half of last year, but be able to score touchdowns in the red zone.
0: Yeah, man. um The uh, personnel packages that they can put out there this year,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the different combinations. Like, I mean, it's, I couldn't even name them all. You know what I mean? Nope. There's, there's, there's so many that I, that I would like to see, mm-hmm. and that we probably will see. I mean the uh, the red zone, red zone stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can have Fryer move for Washington, and have Pickens and 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 uh, Butler
2: mm-hmm.
0: with Najee or Warren in the backfield. I mean, you know, you can put, you can go big. You can have, you can have Washington and Friar move, both in line. You can have uh, Connor Hayward in the slot. Yep. I mean, you you can could, you could have both Najee and, and Warren in the backfield. There's so much you can do. Mm-hmm. So I always thought Canada was real creative when he was in college, especially that one year at Pitt that they upset mm-hmm. Clemson. I think 2016. I mean, I watched that game. I just thought like – James Conner was there. I think Nathan Peterman was the quarterback. Yeah, and those guys were just. And I think Clemson was ranked number one. And yeah. Canada, Canada was just throwing so much stuff out there to keep that Clemson defense off balance. Mm-hmm. If we if we could get anything similar to that, yep. that would be great. That's that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. I gave Canada a pass his first year because. You know, Ben Ben was kind of old. So Mm -hmm. he had to, he couldn't really run his offense. They had to run shotgun because Ben couldn't move that much. And Ben liked shotgun, like turns back to the defense. Then last year, we got Mitch and Kenny. Really don't know at the beginning of the season. We know Mitch is the quarterback, but then after four games, like, nah, Mitch's not quarterback. So we throw a rookie in there. And so, you know, after Dubai, they played a lot better. So the offseason, and training camp to the regular season is one big, long buy. Yeah. So they should be able to be much crisper, much better, much efficient. That's what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Yeah, one of the
1: things that uh, we say with Kenny Pickett, where he didn't get time working with the starters last year, you know, it showed up in his performance. And he, he really never developed chemistry And timing with Deontay Johnson, Johnson got so many targets just because he could get open so quickly. But the difference now is they've strengthened this offensive line by bringing in Somalu. You got Daniels in his second year in the system, Cole. One thing that no quarterback, especially a young quarterback, likes is congestion around his feet. He wants to be able to step up into a clean pocket. They're talking already that this year they're working with Kenny Pickett on not, you know, abandoning the pocket so quickly. But why why he was doing that last year is because so many times Dotson would just blow his block and allow instant pressure right up the middle. And it would force Kenny out to one side or the other. Well, that's not going to be an issue anymore with Somali around. So, I think that you're going to see a more confident Kenny Pickett because a comfortable quarterback is a confident quarterback and he's going to feel comfortable in the pocket and he, and you can help on the outside. If you're going to be against a great pass rusher and the Steelers are going to be facing quite a few of them, you can chip block with that running back before he goes out into his route and you can help give help there, but it's hard to give help. If a guy's getting instantly beat on the interior, And pass protection like Kevin Dotson did quite often last year. And when Dan Moore struggled, it was usually because somebody gave him a half step and then beat him to the inside. You know, got him off-bounce and then beat him inside. So Pickett's seen a lot of pressure coming in his face up the middle. I think that will be different this year. And that will allow Pickett to be more confident, stand in there and see those plays last year. He missed some opportunities because he was running for his life. So I think this year we'll see Kenny more confident, uh, more composed, and and hit on a lot of those potential splash plays.
0: Yeah, man. A um, couple of things about the old line you brought it up. Dotson last year. I mean, I think the majority of the time he was he was beat, like you said, off quick moves in the inside. Mm-hmm. But there were a few times last year that you may as well put syrup on Dawson because he was getting pancaked. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't, think, I don't think we have the same issue with Samalo in there. So I definitely think that's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other question is, since we last were on together on Monday on the hangover, um, I've been hearing something. We talked about it, but since, this is since Monday to the day. Been hearing some things, man. I mean, how viable is a is a true competition between Dan Moore and Chooks? I hear, I hear it's going to be one. Yeah, I, I think it's very viable because you know it's really going to
1: depend on Broderick Jones. If Broderick Jones, if they believe he's really ready and capable of starting the season at left tackle, uh, and they see that pretty early in camp and preseason, I think you'll see. Uh, you know, they've kind of alternated right tackle more and a core for it, uh, in the preseason to give them, you know, both a good bit of reps and experience in case somebody goes down, but also to see is more, you know, how capable is he as a candidate to replace a core for? It. Um, I was really intrigued by something that they, uh, Pat Meyer said today, and that they have four or five center, backup center possibilities. And so I think, you know, we're all thinking Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green. It would be one. But then, you know, he mentioned uh, Nate Herbie, which would be my favorite because he's going to kind of be the swing interior guy. right? If he could also be that backup center capable, that would be great. Uh, He mentioned guys like james daniels but you don't want to move james you don't yeah you don't because he's move. you know he's could be a pro bowl guard this year because he almost was last year but then he mentioned uh you got McCollum, uh was who wasn't at a camp today for whatever reason but he oh, also yeah. mentioned spencer anderson spencer anderson yeah and we also got to remember even somalu plays some center but that's like asking Mika fitzpatrick to play strong safety you right. know micah fitzpatrick is an all-pro free safety you don't want him wasting his talents and strong safety. Same thing with Somali. But what he was basically saying is that they feel like they've got the backup center already, and they've got multiple candidates who could do that. And, and I agree with him. I think that, you know, it's not a for sure thing that Kendra Green makes the roster. So he really needs to be focused and really balls out here at, at training camp and the preseason to show that he is fully committed to learn the center position.
0: Yeah, just like all offensive linemen, I don't think you learn anything in in, in OTAs and camp about no. offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kendrick Green has to be ready to come out to training camp with his pads on, yep, and 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 just just be willing to go after it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he has to do. Um, the, the offensive line battle, the offensive line battles. That's going to go on in training camp. I think it's probably one of the most intriguing positional battles that the Steelers will have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's one more, and we're gonna talk about this this one real quick. And the other positional battle I think is gonna be intriguing, Shannon, going into camp. Let's talk, let's talk about the avatars, man. <laughs> what do you think about these guys?
1: Well, if, if you've read my article today, uh, I've talked about going into the offseason. I've been talking for a few years now that I wanted the Steelers to get faster because they had one of the slowest secondaries in football for years now. And last year, there was a lot of things they wanted to do uh, that they were hindered by their lack of speed because they couldn't match up in press or man coverage, you know, for very long. If they did, they were going to get exposed. And we've seen that against, say, the Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles. If that pass didn't get home, they got toasted. And so now they go out and they get guys who not only have decent speed, but have exceptional length. And if you'd have told me the Steelers would get one guy like Joey Porter Jr. in this draft, that could be their future cornerback one, I'd have been a stag. But they lucked in. They had the good fortune of Corey Trace falling all the way to the seventh round. If you asked me before the draft, who was the closest comparison to Joey Porter Jr. in the whole draft class at cornerback, it was Corey Trice. And the Steelers got both of them. I had talked in one of the mock drafts about the Steelers getting Porter in the first round and getting Trace in the fourth round. And I thought that would have been great value. They got Porter in the second and Trace in the seventh. So, you know, it's funny. They asked Trace what he thought about being called an avatar corner, and he didn't know what that was. So he obviously hadn't seen the movie. But I was wondering, were they just thinking they're going to press more this year? But when they talked to Terrell Austin and uh, Grady Brown, they said that they were really thinking about the deep passing game from, a, say, against the Bengals or the Bills or one of these top AFC teams, that guys with length like that can really, they get longer when they get down the field in their jump ball situations, them deep balls. And so they realized they've had a problem for the last few seasons in that regard. And so they brought in these two, these two young men who are extremely talented. uh, And and, in Corey trace, in his case, uh, extremely underrated in my opinion.
0: No, I I agree. Hey, Pete Carroll, the Seattle Seahawks did the same thing last year. Mm -hmm. They got Tariq Wooten, a big six, three rangey corner. Um, He was, he was really, I, I, I don't know. If he had any awards or accolades, but he was really good. He came yep. in and started, and they in the fourth round they picked up Kobe Bryant, uh, not the basketball player, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe Bryant from the University of Cincinnati, a six one hundred ninety five pound corner. He turned out to be a, 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 a stolen gem. He, he's really good, so I think Seattle has their two young cornerbacks of the future. Yep. Um, yeah, he was really good. At Cincinnati Kobe Bryant he played opposite the sauce. yeah. So, yeah, so he 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 got he got a lot through his way and he held up, mm-hmm. you know. Those Cincinnati teams those couple years were really good teams, oh, yeah. And it had a lot to do with the with with the secondary and those two guys. And Tariq Wooten, with I think 6'3, ran like a 4'3 40, just a for free, I think he went to like uh Texas, San Antonio, one of those small schools, mm-hmm. but you know. Pete Carroll likes that size, going back to Richard Sherman and 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 uh, Browner and and Cam Chancellor and mm-hmm. all those guys. Um, so I, I like I like the bigger corners. Let's let's real quick see what Coach T had to say about his avatars.
2: Mike, what do you like about your young DBs? Your Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice. Just what kind of advantage do they have in being bigger DBs in the draft?
3: I think that story is going to be told with how they play. Um, length is an asset if you're clean, um, so they got to be penalty free. Um, you know, they got to know which way they're going. Sometimes when you're short, your COD is excellent. When you're out of place, you make up things faster. When you're long, you don't. And so they're very much writing their story about what they're capable of being. I like their attentiveness. I like the attributes that they bring, but it's premature to kind of paint a picture of where they are.
0: Mike, what so that's Coach T's take, and you know he's he's he he usually he usually won't won't boost up too many rookies. No, you know <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not his thing. Mm-hmm. If I could think about over the years, maybe some of the rookies he's boosted, it would probably be Pouncy, probably be Shazier and Najee. Mm-hmm. Like you know that he like these guys are are coming in and going going to start, and I think. At the time, Dick, Le- not Dick LeBeau, Keith Butler tried to hold Shazier back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. because they didn't want to play rookies, kind of like they did Kenny last year, but they couldn't yeah. keep Shazier off the field. <laughs> but yeah, so what he's saying and the COD is change of direction. Shorter corners have a better change of direction. Um, but these guys, these guys seem real fluid, and they, their hips seem real smooth, man. Yeah, if you watch. We've, I don't know how many times I used to get so mad
1: when the Steelers would play the Seahawks. And Antonio Brown, I mean, nobody could cover him. But their big corners were hands-on. They always had a hand on him. A jersey tug here, grab his forearm, something to keep him from separating. And I used to say, if you pass interfere on every play, they can't call every penalty. And the Seahawks did it. They consistently and religiously had Blake pass interference on every play, but they, you just couldn't call them all. And that's one advantage that that length has. When you have them ex- that extremely long wingspan, you can keep a, a hand on a guy and just hinder him a little bit. Just don't let him pull away from you if he's quicker than you in, in a short area. So when coach T talking about being clean, I think we talked about it before. We might've talked about it Monday when they signed Patrick Peterson, they do all along. We're going to draft our next quarterback is going to be a future. Number one, potentially athletically. And he's going to have length. And they're saying, we're going to get another guy who knows how the tricks of the trade, the, how to do a little Jersey pull and a little wrist grab and, and all these little things that Peterson has learned through the years. And he's teaching, you know, Porter and Trace right now how to do that. So, um, I think it was a brilliant move from the signing Peterson to realizing they had an opportunity and they got two guys like that in the draft. It's just, it couldn't have worked out any more beautifully.
0: Yeah, Pat P said in the interview, Watch this All Things Covered podcast. This was a few weeks ago now. But he said his first matchup against uh, Calvin Austin III, CA3. Yeah, yeah. He said, man, this dude fast. But he said he had to get on the inside, give him a little tug to to allow me to catch up. (laughs) And and those are the tricks of the trade that these guys are learning from a future Hall of Famer early. I think that's going to be immeasurable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – Uh,
1: Peterson might only be maybe through next year. We'll see how this year goes. But he is like having another coach out there, another position coach. But he's teaching things that your average secondary coach doesn't know how to teach. Right. And he's doing it from a position. He can do it on the sidelines. When they come off the defense, comes off the field, he can say, hey, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that. Uh, I'm using this uh, uh, tactic on this receiver, and he's not liking it. And, you know, if one of them get matched up on him, they can try to, you know, duplicate that. Because some guys don't like hands-on. Some guys don't want to get pressed. And they get frustrated, and it takes them out of their game. Uh, And so I think that Peterson is going to bring a level of experience and know-how and knowledge that the Steelers haven't had because uh, even Joe Hayden played the position a certain way. And, and uh, you know, he got more crafty as he got older because he lost some athleticism. Peterson's still highly athletic. I, I mean, he still can outrun Cam Sutton, let's put it that way. Right. But he, he, he will be able to share uh, a unique perspective with these two young guys that we haven't seen that in a good while.
0: Yeah, no, you're – you're right. And let's think let's think about. It. Let's walk through this real quick. Just the division. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think the only, the only receiver, two receivers now in the division that I think physicality and press at the snap doesn't affect them. I think that's Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Zay Flowers, newly drafted rookie to uh Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But I think Amari Cooper, physicality and press affects him. Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham. Physicality and press affects him. Even T. Higgins for the Bengals, great receiver. But I think if you if you man him up with because he's kind of big, T. Higgins probably about 6'3. But if you match him up with somebody equally as equally as tall, and long, probably stronger, press him at the line of scrimmage and then can run with him, I think mm-hmm. that throws this whole game off. I don't know if you remember uh
1: twice the James Pierre was covered T. Higgins and had good coverage on him, and was running with him. But T. Higgins just went straight up, just like Pierre wasn't even there because Pierre didn't have ball awareness. He didn't know where the ball was. Right. He never got off the ground, and Higgins just made easy touchdown catches on him twice. And so, you know, you, you start seeing Pierre yeah, matched up. up with Higgins. That was the second game last year? Yeah. Okay. And you see Higgins matched, uh, matched up with Pierre, and you're like, oh, no. I mean, because <laughs> – you know, it just I think the one thing we're gonna see out of Joey Porter Junior and Corey Trace is based on what I seen on their collegiate film, they have really good ball awareness and they high point that ball. They they're good at, at getting their hands in there with that with that long reach. So uh but you know, it, it, it don't matter if you're long, if you you don't have ball awareness. So I think they will. But again, they gotta prove it on the field.
0: Do we see a path for Corey Trice midseason to get playing time over, over Levi Wallace.
1: I think that they we see Wallace, he's really solid in the type of coverage the Steelers ran last year. Um uh, he lot can of, a press because
0: a, 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 a lot of zone stuff where he's looking at yeah, the quarterback. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If they do a lot
1: more press, uh he did some press at Buffalo, but he really, you know, he does not have the speed. So, like, if there's a guy that if he misses, you know, his contact coming off the line, if he miss, misses his press attempt, he's going to get put in a trail position and he can be in trouble. So, um, I'd like to see Trice. I think they'll try to work him in in the beginning against size. Like you say, maybe against the T. Higgins or maybe in the slot if a team's using a receiving uh, moved, movement tight end, say a Kelsey, or even if they put an Andrews in there, they might try Trice and match him up if the guy's really hurting them, you know, like uh, Terrell Edmonds used to do. I could see them use a Trice in that scenario. So I think he'll get some time. I don't think he'll be taking playing time away from Wallace, per se, because Wallace is going to be a starter. But I think Trice will get some work and in you know, according to matchups.
0: No, yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm looking forward to seeing those those two big rangy corners both out there on each side of the field with with Patrick Peterson in some kind of move position from the slot to the middle of the field. K KZ coming up, Pat P going back. So much they can do. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. But Shannon, we're about to get ready to get out of here, man. Before we do. I'd like to give or pay our respects from, obviously you've heard it already in the Steel Curtain Network. This is from Shannon and I on the Curtain Call. And that's the Pittsburgh media sports legend, Stan. He was a giant in the Pittsburgh sports industry, Western PA Sports Hall of Fame, Pirates Media Wall Hall of Fame. Been doing Pittsburgh sports media since 1970, man. He passed away, I believe on the 13th, maybe it was the 12th, the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, And just wanted to, pay our respects to him. Um, if we just can have a moment of silence. Thanks, everybody. So, Shannon, man, it's been a great show. Loved hanging out with you, man. This is two times this week, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before you get ready to get out of here, man, you got anything coming up, any new articles, anything you want to plug, anything you want to say? Shannon is going to be a guest on the Homies Podcast this uh, Friday, man, t- today's-, today's Wednesday, yeah. yeah, Friday. Um, And we're going to have John Sushin from from the, the Fanatical Elves podcast, the Cleveland Browns podcast on FFSN, along with myself, B-Dirk, Big G, and Pay. We're going to talk about, we're kind of going to set it up to where two of us ask e- each one of them questions. We're talking about a, a rivalry revive. We're talking about the Browns and Steelers actually meaning something again after – I mean, the Browns have had – they had a good year, what? Was that 20, 2019? 2020. 2020? Yeah, okay. They had a good year then, but, you know, their good years are so uh, few and far between. But I think the entire division is going to be good this year. And so we're going to talk about it, you know, mostly initially from a Steelers-Browns perspective, but we can't help but bleed in. All the rivals within the division. That's what we're going to talk about. And that's Friday on the homies. But, Shane, I just wanted to plug that. But what's up? What's up with you, man? Well, I always look forward to uh,
1: debating the Browns fans. So, that this will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I wanted to just mention about uh, Stan Severn. Uh, I used to call in. Uh, you know, I live here in West Virginia, but I call in to Sports Beat. I talked to Stan and guy and of course love the show that always had to say that first and just, it was such a thrill just to get to ask the guys questions because podcast, I was, it wasn't as common back then. So people could come on now and talk to us and ask us questions. And, but back then, you know, we didn't get to do that, but you know, you could call in and talk to them. And I just, I just thought the world of both them guys. And, um, uh, Stan just sounds like a, uh, um, uh, just an outstanding gentleman and he, and he will be missed. And, uh, um, you know, I had a much respect for, for him and his knowledge of not just the Stillers but all Pittsburgh sports. Right. So, yeah. uh,
0: Pirate, uh he will
1: definitely be missed. And as far as what I have coming out article wise, uh, we've had some of the guys talking about it. Uh, year in our conversation that I'm writing an article about Mark Robertson because Terrell Austin said that as we talked about early in the show, that Mark Robertson is a candidate to be a starter next year. And everybody's taking that as a negative and that he's, that he's saying that Robertson isn't progressing uh, to where he could be a starter. That's not what he's saying. They brought in Cole Holcomb, and they brought in the Landon Roberts to be the starters so that they can ease Roberts Robertson into the rotation. So what Trey Austin said was not a knock against Robertson in any way. It was just a natural part of his progression. So I've got an article I'm working on. That's going to be coming out and talking about that.
0: Okay. No, nah, that sounds interesting, man. I mean, I don't, I, I listen to a lot of the audio podcast. I don't, I don't read as much as I should, even when I, read a book. It's an audio book. I haven't turned pages in seven or eight years, man. (laughs) But so, the article's right there on the website, so I can go to it and check it out. But yeah, man, so have have you met John yet? Sushin from the Browns? No, I've not had an opportunity. Yeah, don't try and talk to him now, man. We're going to get y'all two strangers (laughs) in the wind bumping heads about Steelers and Browns. Yeah, Love it. Love it. (laughs) But for myself, man, we'll uh, be on Friday, the homies, eight PM. Like I, I kind of gave you a gist of what the show's about. Um, you can check me out on the FSC and Sports Network, the Cleveland Cavalier. That's rather Cavalier podcast. We got a lot of off season stuff going on, potential trades, the drafts coming up, free agents coming up. We're talking about all this stuff as it pertains not only to the Cavaliers but the entire NBA. So if you're an NBA fan. Check us out, wherever you get your audio podcast. And my 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 other my other, uh, baby, I'll call it, is the Know It Alls podcast. I do that with Big G from the Homie podcast and Mod. Um, we come on Sundays on YouTube at six PM if you're available. This Father's Day, check us out. We're gonna give a tribute to our deceased fathers this weekend. That's one of the things we're doing. But, yeah, check us out. Go to YouTube, Know-It-All, spelled K-N-O-I-T-A-L-L-Z. And that's where I'm at. So we'll get ready to wrap up, Shannon, to get out of here. I think we both got long wind if we want to keep it under 50 to 55 minutes. <laughs> if we peace out in the next 15 seconds, we're exactly at an hour, man. So go ahead and do what you're doing. Let's get out of here, bro. Have a great one, guys. Woo! Peace, Steeler Nation.